Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening, uh, thank you ever so much for coming to the program uh, today. Listen, um, I hope that you took an opportunity to look for our Fight Back Media group um, page, and you can get the link on my Facebook page. And uh, we were there shortly after we did a program yesterday after yesterday morning. Um, so I, I would hope that you would zip over there and and listen to the the, the shows that are there. It's, it's an ever increasing, changing thing. And we started our own network, you know, because it just seemed crazy to depend on on other folks. You know, when I've been at this again since March twenty fifth, two thousand eight. Uh, more than 11 years, thousands of podcasts, thousands of programs in thousands and, in, in, you know, what in dozens of configurations for a, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 different entities, including myself, um, on different quote networks end quote, uh, working for different people. You know, uh, you know, I, my friend Wacko Bob, I was, I was on the Wacko Bob network for a while and good, you know, love, Love Bob Goose here. Love Wacko Bob, um, and I did um, a couple of stints at at Liberty News, which is which was uh, funded by Grassfire Nation. I, I also worked for them for a while. Um, my friend Ken McClinton, uh, the Exceptional Conservative Network. I did I did audio and a video program with them. You know, I, I work with you know what dozens of folks. Heading right radio on Blog Talk Radio, all sorts of things, and what I've learned in my life is that, frankly, I'm not that great of an employee. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. And some of those were paid, and un, and and some of those were volunteer, um, just to give you an idea. But I'm not really that good of an employee. Um, when this starts to seem like a job, and especially when it starts to seem like a job that I'm not getting paid for, uh, I kind of bail. I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, and I get sort of, I, you know, I, I get kind of annoyed and I'm probably more trouble than I'm worth <laughs> to, to be, to be, to be blunt. So I always think that I think now the best thing for me really um, is to do my own. I'm a pretty good boss. I'm a pretty good um, person to work with. Um, because I understand that you're not getting paid, and I understand that you know what that life happens. I get it. Um, I'm I'm I'll be honest with you. I'm not trying to build something that's going to compete with CNN. I'm not trying to build something that's going to be you know compete with iHeartRadio. I'm not. We're just you know what going sort of back channel underground to get our message out to the people that we want to get our message out to. You know. That's what we're doing. So if you want to join me, send me an email at WLS860 at gmail.com. I'll be happy, happy to talk to you about how to move forward, how to get started, all that stuff. All right, listen, we got some things to talk about today. Yesterday, and we didn't talk about this yesterday because it was sort of happening yesterday. Uh, Lawrence O'Donnell of MSNBC, good God, MS, MSNBC. MSLSD, as Mark Levin um, calls it, hysterical, came out with an um, a piece that said that that he had a source that said that there was some loan documents 
for the from Deutsche Bank of the president that were signed by some Russian billionaires. And if this was true, they're still pushing this Russian collusion story. Um, and if this was true, then we underst- then it was understandable uh, to Vladimir Putin. So he so he he posted the story on Twitter and he talked about the story on his program uh, night before last. Well, as it turned out, we found out we find that the story he only had one source on the story, and his source had not seen the documents at all. This is, my friends, the textbook definition of fake news. The textbook definition of fake news. This goes along with all the polls that say that people just don't trust fake news anymore. Just don't. So, so Lawrence, Lawrence O'Donnell, Larry o- O'Donnell, um, had to go on last night and apologize well he only well i i think and this is my opinion see how see the difference here i think he only apologized because what he knew was that the president's lawyers were going to come at him and they were going to have their ass kicking shoes on they were going to have their ass kicking shoes on and the um and trump and trump supporters sometimes act like like the beehive they do they're they're start they're starting to understand how the beehive works, and those of you who know what I'm talking about know what I'm talking about. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go explain all all about about the beehive, but uh, the idea is that Trump supporters are figuring out how the beehive works, and they would come after NBC, and the idea is to go after their sponsors and demand that Lawrence O'Donnell be taken off the air, because this is what this is how the beehive would work, and this is how the left works. Demand that Lawrence O'Donnell be taken off the air. Demand that um, that MSNBC actually um, pay damages to the president, or at least to Trump Enterprises. Um, so he apologized last night, and 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 it's always for me the left with this whole apology thing. Let me tell you, because I, I mean this is kind of my long form, so. I, I feel good about telling you some stuff. Uh, my my, I learned about what an apology was years ago. An apology is is a two part thing. The first part of the apology says I'm sorrowful for my actions. I feel bad about what I did. The second part, which is really the most important part, is that I pledge to you never to do it again. Now, if now if you can't live up to both parts of that agreement, then you can't apologize. You know, like when you something happens, you call someone, you have a you have, you have a problem with a with a vendor, you have a problem with somebody that you've asked to do work at your house or or, you know, at the cable company or whomever. And the rep says, oh, well, I apologize, Mr. Smith, for your problems. That person can't apologize. This is when I let them know that I can't be soothed by an apology. From the from the rep. Now they're trained to do that because people will be soothed by that. I, I let them know pretty pretty early on in the conversation. Willie will not be soothed. Mister Lawson will not be soothed by an apology from the rep because first of all, 
you can't apologize for something you didn't do. Second of all, and you can't you can't tell me that this won't happen again. You can't swear to me this won't happen again. Well, first of all, you didn't do it in the first place. So, I I would tell him, don't apologize to me. Fix it. Or get me on the phone with somebody who can fix it. Who can ensure that, that whatever happened that I didn't like won't happen again. So, Lawrence O'Donnell gets on MSNBC and apologizes. But it's a hollow apology. And I think Eric... Eric Trump said, apology, 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 we don't care about your damn apology. Uh, we're going to sue your ass anyway. Cool. I think that's, I think that's the tact to take. Because these companies don't really, really understand anything else. They really don't. So I think that this morning, um, or at least tomorrow morning, they should be served with papers. Because it's one thing to um, be investigative and let people know about stories going on with our leadership, and I think that that's important, and we shouldn't stop that, and we shouldn't call that back. But it's something else anymore. It's this wild, reckless absolutely reckless way that the agenda driven media approaches this job knowing that there are millions of people well not in the case of MSNBC there's like six people who watch um, and I think one of them was on vacation so uh, I, I mean so, so, so this idea that um, that they can really say anything they want and they have been doing that for about two and a half years ladies and gentlemen they've been saying all sorts of outrageous, terrible things in the name of freedom of speech or freedom of the press, which we learned from my friend Chris Ann Hall has nothing to do with them. It has a lot more to do with me than them. It has a lot more to do with you, who has a podcast on the Fightback Media Group Network than MSNBC or CNN or CBS or the Washington Post or the New York Times. It's nothing to do with them. There's this, this idea that you have to be credentialed to media is bullcrap. Just so you know. Just so you know. Freedom of the Press has anything to do with credentialed media. It's silly. Anyway, let me take a little sip of coffee. It's 10.30. I just crawled out of the rack. It's going to be a long day. I don't work anywhere today, so it's going to be a long day. I have today off, so it's going to be a long day. All right, so that happened last night. You might have heard about it. Uh, we're going to talk about one more thing. Let me let me check my time. Yeah, check my time. I'm just rattling on here. All right, we're going to take one more thing. Um, also, yesterday a story came out that the president has a new the president has a new policy. I love that the president has a new policy that servicemen overseas who have children those children would not automatically become American citizens. That they would have to apply for that. That story came out. That was a NBC, MSNBC, same thing, story that came out. Well, as it turned out, and it was on Twitter, as it turned out, that's not the case at all. That's not the case at all. It has to do with adopted children. So if you go to 
I don't know, if you're stationed in Korea and you adopt a Korean baby, that child has to be, um, you have to apply for citizenship for that child. What? Yes. That child doesn't automatically become an American citizen. But if you go and you and and you and your wife are stationed in Okinawa, and she has a baby in Okinawa, especially if she has a baby on a military base in Okinawa, that baby is an American citizen automatically. Nothing has changed. But the 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 breathless, um, slobbering <clears throat> need to get anti-Trump stories out as often as possible. 24-7-365 is really, really crushing anything left of the integrity and the credibility of mainstream media. It's crushing it. It's destroying it. There's none, there's none left. Which is fine because that's an opening for us, frankly. It's an opening for you. It's an opening for myself um, to be that voice of reason and the voice of truth in making sure that these stories, the stories of reality, actually get pushed to the fore. Like yesterday we talked about, I talked about gentrification for like an hour. And what gentrification really was, it gave you some real examples of how it works, especially how it works in the inner, inner, in the inner city when dealing with homeowners. Not what the New York Times um thinks not what this study that they they push what how it actually happens because a lot of you don't know and that's fine that you don't know but you know now that's for sure all right so we're going to take a little break and we'll be back to cover uh, another story that i think is really really important um having to do with the this, this new thing called the national popular vote interstate compact being pushed on Twitter right now by Robert Reich, a Clinton Knight. We'll be back right after these messages. Hey, y'all, Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be... Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter, and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires, which means always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So for the love of the outdoors, go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster. When floodwaters reach your door. When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood. 
or an earthquake is destroying buildings. When a tornado is tearing through town, or a hurricane strikes, or is the best time perhaps today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. And it's not always as simple as using your cell phone. That's why now is the time to take action. Go to ready.gov slash communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. <laughs> I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure, if you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Welcome. Welcome back. We appreciate you being here. Thank you ever, ever, ever so much. We appreciate that. Uh, you know, you can spend your time anywhere, but but when you spend it with me and spend it with us here on the Fightback Media uh, Network, I really appreciate it. Again, do me a favor. Before we get to the other story, I need you to do me a favor. Do me a solid. Listen, uh, does anybody say that? Do me a solid. Nobody else says that anymore? Okay. Anyway, do me a favor. Wherever you hear the program, could you send me an email at WLS860 at gmail.com and just tell me in the header, heard the program on Spotify, heard the program on uh, iHeartRadio, heard the program on Spreaker, heard the program on Fightback Media Network um, page, heard it wherever you heard it, Google, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, CastBox, Stitcher. Wherever you heard the program, that would be cool. I, I mean, iTunes. Wherever you heard the program, I would let, I would love to know. Um, that would be very, very helpful to us. All right, listen. Let's get to the next story. The next story is the um, the, the idea of, and, and this was brought up <clears throat> right after the election of our current president, Donald J. Trump. Um, this idea that the Electoral College is something that we need to abolish. And, and 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 it's interesting that the electoral the, the electoral college is something that we need to abolish now, because we've had two Republican um, presidents get elected without you know here in recent history, without winning the popular vote. 
well, what's the popular vote turned into? The popular vote has turned into uh, big, big Democrat-run cities that are fully packed. Fully packed with a lot of the population. Which are hardly, which is hardly representative of the country, and this is because this is what it's all about, and, and this is the arguments that are, are the are part of the discussion that you could have. I don't suggest you argue with these people. I just don't suggest you do it because it's it's like pig wrestling. You get dirty, and the pig likes it, so just don't do it. Just hit them with uh, a a a warm, soft blanket of truth, and then walk away. The electoral electoral college is was designed to make sure that the election of the president was representative of all of the states. That there was a that that people believe that that there was actually they had representation, regardless if it, if they were in Georgia or Virginia or South Carolina, or New York, that the most populous and the most populated uh, places wouldn't dominate the conversation. This was very, very important. And it, it's still important, and I'll tell you, uh, and I'll tell you in a nutshell why. You can, you can use this. Yes, there are a lot more people who live, there are, there are more people who live in L.A. County you know what I'm saying? There are more people who live in L.A. County than live in Nebraska. I believe. I believe. I believe that's true. And I'll, I'll, I'll look it up as we're talking. But I believe there are more people who live in L.A. County than live in the state of Nebraska, or, or it's real close. Um. And there's a, and and that's fine because in Nebraska, what do they do in Nebraska? They have a lot of a lot of land where where they do what. Grow our food, you moron. Um, so it is. It, 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 it is more important that the people who grow our food have, feel believe that they have representation. Because right? that's what this is about. The population, and I'm getting there, the population of L.A. County, just L.A. County, is 10.14 million people. And I know that there, there aren't that many people in Nebraska. I just, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Yes, as a matter of fact, there's only 1.9 million people in Nebraska. So, all, all the things that we need that Nebraska produces... All those folks are going to be left out representative, you know what, in a representative fashion. This is why the founders were, were, were geniuses in the sense that they knew that a democracy was going to be a disaster. The democracy is just 51% of the people enslaving the other 49% of the people. That's what that is. Small rule. So when you hear people like Robert Reich, Robert Reich was a, was a Clintonite. 
um, pushing for this is this is a new thing. So you need to hear this this term and remember it. Write it down if you have to. National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. What they're trying to do is get states to enter into this compact, which would effectively take all of your electoral votes and throw them towards anybody who wins the popular vote. Even if, even if your state didn't go for the person that won the national popular vote. So give, <clears throat> I'll give you an example because and, and it can be a little confusing. Let's say you're the state of Florida and the state of Florida uh, went for Donald Trump this time in 2016. So when all the votes get counted, if Donald Trump doesn't win the the popular vote, let's just say he didn't. I know people. some people are still, still battling that out, but let's say he didn't. Um, and that's fine because he didn't have to. Um, Florida would take all the electoral, all, all, all their electors and say, okay, well, because screw what the people in my state wanted. We are going to throw our, all our electoral votes towards Hillary Clinton because she won the popular vote. You would be telling, you would be telling the people in your state that their vote doesn't matter one single tick. It's really that simple. And it's really that simple uh, um, that I, somebody would be somebody else after I cast my ballot would be telling me that my vote doesn't count and they are going to vote for me. You know what I'm saying? They're going to vote for me. Because they're smarter than I am. They're more educated than I am. They understand these things more than I do. Right? It is incredible. Let me give you an idea. There are... there are <clears throat> The state of New York has 19 million people in it. L.A. County has 10 million. There are half as many people. There's, 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 only, there's only another half, 10 million people or 9 million people who live in the entire state of New York as live in L.A. County alone. Alone. The census population numbers for the state of Florida is 21 million people. 10 million people live in L.A. County alone. 39 million people live in California. So the, these, three these four states, with the inclusion of Pennsylvania, five states, would decide the president every time we voted simply because they had more people so ask people do you want California, Texas, Florida New York and Pennsylvania who, to decide the president because your vote if you were in Georgia or if you were in uh, Nebraska or if you were in let's let's say you were uh, again in a in, even in Michigan, would count less. 
This just would be a five state run. Everybody would everybody would campaign in, in, in California, Texas, Florida and New York and wouldn't campaign anywhere else because they wouldn't give a crap about anyone else because they wouldn't have to. Because that would be 40, 70. I'm just giving you um, r- really super round numbers. Let's see. Uh, in California, 40 million um, plus another 30 million in Texas. That's 70 million um, plus 20 million in, here in Florida. That's 90 million, 110 million in New York. That's 110 million people. It's not votes, but that's 110 million people. Of, of the 330 million people in, in the country. I said that that's a third of the population. So they wouldn't have to. Is this a system that you want just because you have so much hate and disdain for Donald Trump? If this is not a case of throwing out the baby with a bathwater, I mean, maybe with a bathwater, I've just not seen one that, that that's bigger than that. So my my thing is, I want to make you aware of this thing to make sure that if anybody in your state legislature starts talking about the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, get them out of office immediately. Immediately. Because this is this is a detriment to our entire electoral system. If you combine this with the fact that in California and other states, they want uh, non-citizens to start voting in local elections. The left is trying desperately to get a stranglehold on elections. Because if they can get a stranglehold on elections, they can get a stranglehold on policies, they can get a stranglehold on our economy, they can get a stranglehold on our lives, they can get a stranglehold on the nation. And choke it out. All right, we'll be back after these messages. Uh, we've got a couple more things. A couple more things to talk about. Um, the president sent a tweet this morning. Hysterical. We'll talk about that when we get back. different it could be alzheimer's now is the time to talk visit alz.org slash our stories to learn more a message from the alzheimer's association and the ad council this is willie lawson for the armed citizens legal defense network you can have access to a growing nationwide network of attorneys and legal experts you can get bail assistance Um, the network provides up to twenty five thousand dollars to post bail on behalf of a member who has used force in self-defense. The fee deposit to your attorney immediately after a self-defense 
for representation during questioning and other vital defense services. You can reach us at ARM Citizens Legal Defense Network. Our number is 360-978-5200. That's 360-978-5200. Or go to www.armedcitizensnetwork.org. Are you looking for a reliable transportation, but you don't have a bunch of money? Are you wary of used car types? And you should be. You just need a car you can afford and a dealer you can trust. Great news. Good Guy Cars is here. John Desbrow is something you don't find every day. An honest used car dealer. Good Guy Cars is at 8412 Industrial Boulevard in Tampa, Florida. The phone number is 813-999-9992. That's 813-999-9992. The web address is www.goodguycars.com. back welcome back to the program I appreciate you coming back to the program uh we uh, we do we because you know what it's just cool that you guys listen it really is i i, I get a kick uh, excuse me looking at the numbers and finding out that you guys are listening is just is just a trip for me um washington post washington post um has an article that came out today um it's entitled this why immigration anti-immigration politics hurt white workers what is this, some sort of Jedi mind trick? Well, uh, no, immigrants aren't taking your job, but vilifying immigrants helps undermine worker protection. Okay, this this article written by Inez Valdez. Inez Valdez is an associate professor of political science at The Ohio State University and author of Transitional Cosmopolitanism. What the hell? Because you got to make it because you got to publish something to make a few bucks. That's how the university thing works, by the way. So she starts off her article, her op-ed with, President Trump is obsessed with jobs, 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 but his chants aren't about the economy. Jobs are also central to advancing Trump's anti-immigration agenda. Okay, first of all, let's, let's, let's just stop there. I'm not going to read the whole article because it's full of crap. I'm going to start your day full of crap. He doesn't have an anti-immigration agenda. You see, just the terms are incorrect. So they like to they like to tell you what the terms are and what they mean, and they'll use whatever terms they want. The president doesn't have an anti-immigration agenda, and the words are important. It's an anti-illegal immigration agenda. That's what he has. Coming across, just coming across the border whenever you damn well please because the country that you're living in sucks doesn't make you an immigrant. It makes you an invader. The words are important, Professor Valdez. 
and did you bring some coffee? Oh, that was racist. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, so th- so that's the deal. You know, and here's here's and again they they use these terms. He has repeatedly and inaccurately promoted the longstanding idea that worker that working class white Americans are losing jobs because of immigration. First of all, he has not. Now, other people have. Because the the pro illegal immigration people will always say this. Well, these people are doing jobs that Americans don't want to do. It is it is the it is the prime example of projection by the leftists it is the pro illegal immigration people who always say that these poor people will come here and do jobs that you don't want to do that Americans don't want to do so that's so you, you can you have it both ways no 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 the idea is the idea is what she is advocating for in her nonsense is incorrect because the people who get hurt are, are not working class whites, but poor, poor working class, poor whites and poor blacks who are being displaced, who we saw being displaced in agriculture over time. We continue to see that displacement. You know when you know, I, like I always tell you guys, you know when you get older, it's cool because you have stories and 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 you have personal experiences. Um, my wife's family uh, has a base, if uh, if you will, in Rochester, New York. How in the hell you have a black family who has now has a base, a family in a place like Rochester, New York? Well, it's easy because. They had relatives. They had part of the brothers would were migrant workers, and they would follow crops. You pick apples in New York, I, I, I guess, and then you come home and pick and pick oranges and watermelons or whatever. Or you would and then or you would go uh, to, to, to the Carolinas and pick tobacco. And this is how they supported their families. This is how, and they sent money home. This is how they supported their families all this time. You see, you see what I'm saying, um, and. When this all died out because of the influx of illegal immigrants into the migrant fields that would work for nothing, they got see they simply got priced out. So they ended up working in factories and the like. So some would say, well, this made this better. Not particularly. Because of the transition, because of the turbulence in the transition so so these so these jobs were being done these all these jobs were being done by poor whites and black people so americans were doing these jobs so there is a a lot of responsibility to spread on this same on on this crap sandwich isn't it a lot of responsibility to spread on this crap sandwich so this idea that trump has said that that this anti-immigration and again it's not anti-immigration it's anti-illegals are a detriment to white what did she she say white working class Americans 
it's interesting. She's trying to uh, make it so white working class Americans, the people who support Trump, um, somehow are, are thinking that, wait a minute, maybe the president is wrong about this, Ill, this whole immigration thing. Then she write, Then she continues. The data doesn't support this analysis. Yet the potent, the potent combination of immigrant threat and labor competition has long appealed to voters, even when immigration restrictions don't deliver the promised jobs. Um, in reality, what the rhetoric of blaming immigrants for taking jobs does is advance the ideas and policies that protect power, protect the powerful, and allow for exploitation of all workers. Where did where the hell did she get that from? She just made that crap up often the very same workers who find it appealing. Hmm? This was, okay, she explains it. There was, this was never any clearer than a century ago when claims about Asian immigrants taking white workers' jobs dominated the public debate in the Western world. Although the British Empire engineered the massive movement of English, Indian, and Chinese immigrants to address labor imbalances across the empire, racist rhetoric and fears of unfair competition transform what migration and labor ultimately looked like. Uh, restrictions on labor and immigration fueled by, by, by these fears limited the movement of non-whites while doing nothing to address the actual source of labor grievances, employers and their power to determine labor conditions, including those of the most privileged workers. Gobbledy freaking gook. First of all, our premise to, to, to this piece is incorrect, and then she babbles on about um, the British Empire, and she babbles on about the British Colonial Office of Immigration, um, and she continues to babble on about they treated Asian immigrants quite differently. Um, blah blah blah. They want, they, they, she goes on and on and on and on and, on. and let's see. Um, labor leaders in the West bought into these. Um, native narratives, uh, nativist narratives, even when they acknowledge the racial uh, motivations of anti-Asian policies, most considered wage competition was a good enough reason for restricting settlement in countries inhabited by, quote, men of European race. She means, she means white people. Uh, Laborers. Uh, and I'm just scanning this. This is a long. Make no mistake. Immigrants are not taking our jobs. Jobs are, decrease, are decreasing in numbers and quality because court practices condoned by states that harm the well-being of workers and the middle classes worldwide. Well, this is some, this is some socialist rhetoric, isn't it? Um, the violent, I love this, the violent policing of immigrants and refugees does nothing to change that and only distracts the public from the task of holding accountable the unchecked power of corporations to determining our well-being and political fate. This is more what? This is more... I, there's, so much, there's so much that sometimes the, um, the words uh, escape me. Where we were, where all the idiots, you know, st stood out there and camped out on Wall Street. This is this is more of that. This is more. Stop blaming the people who are breaking the laws, right? And start blaming the corporations because because corporate is the corporations that are evil. You see, this is more 
of that Occupy Wall Street. That's what it is. This is more Occupy Wall Street nonsense. Because this is the these are the people that they are blaming. Convoluted, ridiculous, nonsensical bullcrap. The truth of the matter is that you can't come here illegally. That's the truth of the matter. You cannot come to the United States illegally. You should not come here illegally. And nobody in 2019, she, she, she rattles on about the British Empire, but nobody here in America in 2019 gives a damn if you can do the job and you're here, and you're here legally. Nobody gives a damn. Nobody cares. These people in these ivory towers and, and, and these universities want people to think, they want their students to think that it's still, that it's still 1957 and people care. No one gives a rat ass. If you're here legally and can do the job, nobody cares that you have an Indian accent. No one cares if you're Asian. Nobody cares if you're Mexican or if you're Puerto Rican. Well, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Puerto, Rican, Puerto Rico doesn't count because Puerto Rican is part of the United States. Um, nobody cares. So this fake advocate position that the university professors take up, and it is truly a fake advocacy position because there's nothing to advocate for because nobody gives a damn, is nonsensical. And this Jedi mind trick that that anti-immigration, I, I because she puts puts it like anti-immigration. No, it's anti-illegal immigration. It's this idea that um, if you can just, I mean, they have this idea that if you can just come across the border and that's immigration and, sh- and it should be allowed. This open border sort of mentality is not good for a nation, any nation. This is why nobody else does it. This is why nobody else in the world does it. And and again, when you're talking to, don't debate the leftists, just talk to them. Who else, what other country can you just walk into, just walk across the border and decide you live there? What country can you do that in the world? I guess you could do that if you found your way to Antarctica. You got a boat or a plane or a helicopter or or whatever it took to get to Antarctica, that you could do that in Antarctica. And if you could, and, and if you wouldn't die the second you got out of your plane, if you found a way to live, I guess you could live there and nobody would bother you. But I don't think you could change your citizenship from where you left and say that you are now in Antarctica. You may be able to do that, I don't know. Maybe you should. Maybe we should look into that to see if you can move to Antarctica, declare the area you found a new country, give yourself citizenship, give up your U.S. citizenship, stop paying taxes to the to the IRS, and then live the rest of your life with the polar bears and the penguins. It's too damn cold. Uh, no. And you'd be snow blind in about fifteen. I'd be snow blind in about fifteen minutes. So walking around free, walking around blind, freezing to death doesn't seem like the way I want to go out. But in any case, the president doesn't have an anti-immigration policies. And when they form the statement that way, 
we must correct them every single time because they're using, we need to do what they do. They're using the wrong words. They're leaving words out to push it, to push it in the narrative and the agenda. Um, the president has an anti-illegal immigration policy. Actually, there's, and, and, and in truth, there's no such thing as, as, an, as anti-illegal immigration policies. <coughs> because that's just the law. By saying, oh, I know, you need to follow a damn law. That's not anti-illegal anti immigration even. That's just, you need to follow the law. If you're breaking the law, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. That's not anti-anything. <laughs> it's not anti-anything. I guess you could say it's anti-illegal immigration. But that's like saying, you know what, murder laws are anti-murder anti -murder laws. <laughs> it's stupid. Some sort of weird Jedi mind trick. All right, we're going to take, a, we're gonna take one, our, 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 our last break. Now, yesterday we went two hours because it was sort of our inaugural um, mission. Um, but we're only going to do an hour today, so it fits into the, um, easily fits into my network thing. And that way I don't dominate the whole damn thing. In any case, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back right after these messages. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, y'all. Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter. And one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires, which means... Always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So, for the love of the outdoors, go to smokybear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? When a tornado is tearing through town? Or a hurricane strikes? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. And it's not always as simple as using your cell phone. That's why now is the time to take action. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. 
Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. <laughs> I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes, another if you've got high blood pressure, if you're overweight, raise another finger, two if you're very overweight, and three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Welcome back. Welcome back. We appreciate you coming to the program. Thank you ever so much. And again, if you would be so kind as to tell us where, where you heard the program, that would be very, very helpful. Um, you could hear it in any number of places. Again, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, here on Spreaker, <clears throat> wherever you heard, Anchor, wherever you heard, might have heard the program, I'd, I'd appreciate if you would just um, send me an email, wls860 at gmail.com. And if you want to be on the Fightback Media Network, you want to have your podcast on that network too. Um, we are running, we are purposely running um, back channel through email and the like to keep from being throttled. We are purposely running back channel. Um, we could choose, we could have chosen to do something else, but we chose to do this because, you know, we don't want to run, we, we, we don't want to run afoul of Facebook and, and YouTube and some of these other things that are throttling and and demonetizing us so you know we're we are purposely running back channels so if so, so if your content is such that it'll benefit by that then let me know send me an email at wls860 at gmail.com um <laughs> the president is on his twitter game um here in the past couple of days and here is one of my favorites um this was Two days ago. Can you believe it? I'm at 94% approval in the Republican Party. This is why when we were talking yesterday about the guys who are running for president, who are, who are, who are, who are quote, challenging, in quote, the president um, in the primaries, <laughs> it's kind of silly. 94% approval in the Republican Party. And I have three stooges running against me. One is Mr. Appalachian Trail, in quotations, who was actually in Argentina for bad reasons. (laughs) (laughs) 103,000 plus one likes. That is good, good stuff there. That is delicious. This is... This is why those guys need to stay in the race as long as possible because Trump is the best when he's punching. Petty Trump is the best. This is and this is what and this is what the the limousine liberals and this is what some of the uh, the more snooty northeast 
Republicans don't get. This dude is the best when he's punching. Petty Trump is the best. Um, he And I can't find the tweet, but I saw it a, a, minute, a minute ago. He talked about um, it's a really bad thing that um, we know that Christian Gillibrand got out of the race. And it's funny, he says, that's too bad. Oh, here it is. A sad day for the Democrats. Um, Kirsten Gillibrand has dropped out of the presidential primary. I'm glad he never found out that she was the one I was really afraid of. <laughs> 179,000 plus one likes. <laughs> oh my God. Ah, uh, you know, it's just amazing. It is just amazing. Uh, he is just, again, Petty, Tr- Pe- Petty Trump is the best. Petty Trump is the best. And if I'm, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you today uh, because I want to be one of the first to tell you. And that if the left and the leftist media doesn't get there together soon. And I mean, like yesterday afternoon, at three o'clock. They think that you, they have America thinking that they have a conservative president now. I don't know any conservatives who who would consider Donald Trump a conservative <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know in my circle of any pe- people who are conservatives who believe that Donald Trump is conservative. Uh, I just don't think there are. None of my friends do. He is just the alternative <coughs> to a socialist a socialist agenda that is being pushed by the left. And in the meantime, it's a lot of fun. Just that was a lot of fun for me. So this is this is what I want to tell you. If the left doesn't get their act together very, very soon, if the Democrat Party doesn't get their act together very, very soon and drop all of this Trump derangement syndrome nonsense, it's going to be like when I grew up, you're going to be crying for no reason. And then your mother says something like this, shut up or I'll give you something to cry about. Do you know who that, and do you know what that means? That means eight years of Mike Pence walking around, walking around Washington, D.C. dressed as a vagina is unacceptable and will get you shut up or we'll give you something to cry about. And that something to cry about will be eight years of Mike Pence. Eight years of Donald Trump, followed by eight years of Mike Pence, will completely destroy the leftist movement in America. Completely destroy it. I'm looking forward to it. My name is William Lawson. Thank you for coming to the program. We appreciate it. Again, uh, if you want to communicate with us, send me an email at wls860 at gmail.com. We really appreciate it. Uh, Just like always, go out there and learn something, love somebody, and for goodness sakes, y'all take care of yourself. We will see you when we see you. Bye-bye now.